a good day. No matter what day you're watching this on, whether it's live or whether you're watching eight months from now, it's a good day because God has made it and he only makes good things. You know, I used to have a really big issue with negativity. Like you may have heard me say this before, Pastor Brian had to tell me that I was not a joyful person (laughs) a long time ago. And that was shocking and also crushed my flesh all at one moment (laughs) because I was like, what do you mean? I'm not a joyful person, but I wasn't. I was so negative minded, negative focused that it just, it didn't ever feel like it was a good day. I could just see crud everywhere. But here's the thing. We serve a God who is all good. Every bit of who God is, is good. He's a good God and a kind God. He loves his people. The word tells us that he's a good father. And if our father knows how to give us good gifts, how much more does our heavenly father know how to give us good gifts? So if he designed today, which he did, if he gave us this day to live, that means it's filled with his goodness. It's filled with his kindness. It's filled with blessings forevermore. There's blessings chock full in today. Like there's just goodness from top to bottom, everywhere you turn, you can see it, you can have it. So today, right out of the gate, just say that even if it's been opportunistic, I know so many people watching are at work right now. Just say that out loud. It's a good day. No matter what the spreadsheets have looked like, no matter what the job tasks have been, It's a good day. It's a good day outside, whether it's raining or sun shining. It's a good day. It's a good day no matter what's happened. It's a good day because God's in it. And if he's in it, you can be guaranteed that there's goodness in this day for you. The word tells us that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. That means all the days. (laughs) Like It's not some of the days. It's all the days. Every single one of the days, all of every of the days, it's good. Every single moment, every single day. And we can, we can put faith and hope in that. It's a good day. And it's a good day for you. Not just for Serena. It's a good day for you. Not just for me. It's a good day for you. It's a good day. And if you want to play a fun game, you can go rewatch that and see how many times I said good. And I'm sure that could be a fun game for all of you. <laughs> but truly, it is a good day because we serve a good God. And so with that, we're going to talk today about how we can truly abide in God's presence more than we ever have before. How we can enter into his presence And this started, (laughs) Grayson said, it's a good day. And then Serena's singing, it's a good day for me. I don't know the song she sang, so I don't know the tune, but I'm just, I'm just going to let that be there and she can sing it if she wants to. But this kind of started stirring in my spirit yesterday. I was talking to Serena actually about prayer and have you ever had those moments in church or in a prayer service or just somewhere where, you know, This is a move of God, like God is moving here and it feels like it's happening for everybody else, but not for you. Like I've been there. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a prayer meeting and people just seem like they are just full up of the things of God. And I'm like, well, my grocery list is really cool in my brain right now. (laughs) It's going real strong. I'm glad that you guys feel the Lord. I don't like I've had that before many times. And I was talking to Serena and one of the things that we can do 
in those moments is just truly step into his presence and begin to receive from him immediately. Just, Lord, I thank you. I receive from you. I have you. I thank you. But here's the thing. A lot of times in those moments, we haven't known what to do because we haven't been preparing ourselves to receive from God. So we'll hear, okay, I need to be led by the Lord on this, or I need to receive from God on this, or, okay, it's time. I need to make a move. Like, I know it's time. God, which I haven't heard you speak yet. And it feels almost pressured to to hear from him because it's like, I wasn't hearing from him before. How am I supposed to hear from him now? How am I supposed to receive? How am I supposed to do this? And a lot of that comes down to, we haven't been preparing to hear from him. We haven't been preparing for his presence. And that's not a condemnation thing. Look, what I love so much about the word, about the kingdom, is that God has made it so simple. Put this in the comments. God's ways are simple. God has made it simple for us to enter into his presence. God has made it simple for us to receive from him. He's made it simple for us to hear from him. God has made things so simple, but a lot of the times we either overcomplicate it or when we get in that moment, we haven't been preparing. And so we, it's like our flesh immediately pulls us into the place of condemnation. And it's, I can't, I can't receive from him because I haven't been preparing to receive from him. So why would I, why would he speak to me ever? You know, and that's what happens so much of the time. But what's, what I love about the ways of God is that he has given authority unto man. He's given the responsibility to me, which means if I am doing something wrong, I have within me the capability to do the right thing. I don't have to keep doing the wrong thing. I don't have to keep missing it. I can, in a moment, change my heart, change my mind, and with the grace of God, I can do this, and then I can start walking into the things of God. All it takes is a moment. So right out of the gate, even if you have not been expecting or preparing yourself to be filled with Him, or you don't even know what that means, you and it don't let condemnation come. This is not a broadcast filled with condemnation. This is a broadcast filled with hope because if I was doing something wrong, God in me has empowered me to then make the right decision and turn the right way. That's what repentance is. If I made a misstep, I can then go the other direction because God lives in me. I don't have to keep doing wrong. I can do what's right. And that decision is totally mine. It's not pastors. It's not my husband's. It's not my friends. It's my decision. And if I want more of God, all I have to say is, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I may not have been in the past, but today I'm hungry for you. I may not even feel hungry for you, but God, I'm choosing today to be hungry for you. I've got to have you. I need more of you. I want all of you. I've got to have you. And that's a decision that we can choose to make any moment, any moment of any time. It just deter it's determined by us. We determine that. So exciting. Ah, the powers. Look, God is sovereign. He is a sovereign God. He is all-knowing, all-powerful. He's everywhere. But in his sovereignty, he handed this authority back to us. We're going to be in John chapter 3 in a minute. But turn, if you have the word, if you're able to turn. I know a lot of you are driving. Lots of you are working. We're going to go to Psalm 115 and verse 16. 
It says the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. The Lord's in charge of the heavens. The heavens are his. But the earth he has given to the sons of men. This verse was so freeing for me when I first heard it. I remember I was sitting in the old church building that we had and pastor was talking about how all authority is in my hands. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know. I, I really don't know that it is pastor. Like I believe you, but I don't, I don't know how you can back it. And he turned to the scripture and it's like a light bulb went off in the inside of me because for years I had thought that my position with the Lord, my ability to hear from the Lord, what I was going to do, who I was called to be, all that stuff was predetermined by God, which it is, but God would basically make it happen for me. If it was supposed to happen, it would happen because God would make it happen. But what I saw here in this verse, in verse uh, 16, I have authority over my life. I have the authority of God over the place where I'm planted. Like if I'm planted in Albemarle, North Carolina, I have a realm of authority in there. I have authority in my home. I have authority in my workplace. The earth is given to the sons of men. So if we want the will of God to be done, we need to realize there's authority in our hands. You know, pastor during the book of Acts week that we did here at, at the church, he had us look at our hands. And if you can look at your hands, there's authority in your hands. There's authority in your mouth. There's authority wherever your foot treads. You carry the authority of God with you. It's in you. He lives in you. Authority by God is in you. Glory to God. Like it's already there. And that's what I think so often we get like log jammed with is, well, authority is not really in me. No, it's there right now. The moment you get born again, you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He's dwelling in you right now. It's not a waiting game with God. He filled you with everything that you could ever need. So the authority is there. But what has happened, what had happened was people don't always know our authority. And so we, we don't wield it. And because we're not wielding it, we're not purposing to go into his presence because it's, it's that lack of revelation. It's that lack of knowledge of I can, I'm designed to be here. I'm supposed to be with God. See, we don't wield our authority when, when we don't wield our authority, if we don't wield our authority, a lot of times it boils down to a lack of revelation due to lack of intimacy. When, think of it this way, you're at school, like back when you were in grade school, I don't know, I didn't have an older sibling, but I, because of the Lord now, like I have so many spiritual big brothers in the kingdom. I'm just imagining myself in school one day and I like, <laughs> I'm imagining like a fight happening and I, for whatever reason, I'm a part of it. I'm not going to be scared in a fight if I know that I have like Dwayne the Rock Johnson behind me because he's going to be able to cover me. I have authority in that fight. Like I'm not going to lose if it's me versus like somebody else my size and I've got the rock behind me, like I'm covered, <laughs> like I, I'm going to be fine. And so there's not a, going to be a fear going into that altercation. Well, a lot of times when we come up against something, something that feels big or powerful or whatever, we talked about this Monday, the giants that present themselves. A lot of times we shrink back because we forget who's backing us. But no matter what we face, no matter what, 
what we see. We've got a backer who will empower us to go through every single time. But we won't use our authority if we don't know that he's there. We won't try to go through if we don't know that we have him. And so much of that comes down to preparation by intimacy. We must have fellowship with God. We have to have fellowship with God. It's necessary. Like we could give you any number of steps that the word lays out. Like there are so many formulas and strategies that the word of God has for how to be successful, how to see things. But here's the bottom line. They are all backed and founded by intimacy with God, by the love of the father. We will never know the love of the father if we don't have intimacy with him. The intimacy fuels the plans of God. So, okay, I, I feel like at this point we see, okay, yes, I, intimacy is important. I don't even know how to do that. That's great, Barrett. I see that intimacy is important. I don't even know what to do. I didn't either. Like, I remember when I moved here, when I moved to Albemarle, Pastor Brian and Pastor Nicole told me that the most important thing I needed to learn was my identity in Jesus. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Like they tell me it's vital for you. You need to learn who you are. You need to learn the voice of God. You need to do this. And I was like, I agree. I need to do this. I don't know how. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I don't know how. And then pastor would tell me, well, seek the Lord. I'm like, I don't even know how to seek the Lord. (laughs) I want to. I don't even know how to do this. Great. And and that's what it felt like so much. I'm I'm positive. I told him that and I would get like a chuckle, like a chuckle, like a (laughs) and then he he a lot of times he wouldn't tell me anything because What I was doing is I was depending on his intimacy with the Lord to become my intimacy with the Lord. I I was so fearful that I couldn't develop intimacy with the Lord. I didn't. I didn't think I could be qualified. Like, I didn't think that I was holy enough to hear from God. I knew pastor was because he did. I saw it every day. (laughs) I knew pastor Nicole could because I saw it every day. But they would tell me that I needed to build my own intimacy with the Lord, my own relationship with him. And I was like, I, I don't think I can. I think you're better than I am. And that's really what it was fear. Fear would keep me from that place of truly pursuing God. I had a fear that I couldn't hear from him. I had a fear that the Lord wouldn't want to talk to me or that when I, if I could hear from the Lord, it would all be stuff I didn't want to hear. You know, like it it was just fear-based all the way around. And for years, years and years, true intimacy with him was just kept at bay by a thought that I couldn't do it. And that's a lie. That lie of I'm not good enough to hear from God or I can't hear from God. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. I'm saying it three times because it needs to get down in us. That thought is a lie. You are designed by God to have fellowship with God. You're designed to. That's who you are. It's who you're made to be. I said we're going to John 3. We'll see. We're going to go to John 14. Same book, though. So you're just going over a couple chapters. (laughs) Jesus is talking to Philip 
And Philip's asking him, you know, who the father is. And Jesus is telling him, you know, do you really not know? You've been with me this long. But here's what Jesus said in verse. I know I'm in the same section. It's going to be fine. Buddy, tell me where. Oh, never mind. I found it. <laughs> Just kidding. We're going over one more. <laughs> one more. Go to John 15. Buddy preached on John 14. That's why I went there. Um, but John 15, and still Jesus talking, still red letters. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear even more fruit. Here's the thing. You are already clean. These Now, here, Jesus said this to his disciples before he rose from the grave. Before he went to the cross, his proclamation to his disciples was, you are already clean. They didn't even have him as a savior yet. And yet Jesus, because of the word, had already cleansed them. He literally says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. We have this thought that we're not good enough to come into the presence of God because of a sin consciousness that tries to stick with us because we messed up or we said the wrong thing here or we did the wrong thing here or we're thinking back to what happened 20 years ago. And no, Jesus has made us clean. Part of the salvation package of God is that Jesus cleanses us from even the stain of sin, even the stain of it. He has cleansed us. Verse four says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, question, would Jesus have ever had said you can't do this unless you abide in me? Would he have said that if we couldn't abide in him? No, because he wouldn't be just. He's a good God. He's a good God. Put that in the comments again. God is a good God. Not only is it a good day, God is a good God. And take this time to share the broadcast too, because this is a word that truly, it brought freedom to me. I believe it'll bring freedom to so many people who don't understand that they are called by God for fellowship. You're called by God to be filled with God, period. You're called by God to be filled with God. That's who you are. You watching right now, you mom, you dad, you coworker, you friend, no matter who you are, or what your title is here in the world, you're called by God to be filled with God. And Jesus right here is telling us abide in me, which means if he said it, we can do it. Abide in him. Abide in me. That right there is good news in and of itself because Not only is he saying we can, he's telling us he wants us to. You're wanted by God. It's not just you who wants to hear from God. God wants relationship with you. Put that in the comments. God wants relationship with me. God wants relationship with me. I did a study once in the Old Testament, and I... I don't know, obviously it was the Holy Spirit, but for whatever reason, that phrase, the phrase, I will be their God and they will be my people, just stuck out to me one day as I was reading through the word. And 
I was like, that's really cool. And I thought to look it up in one of my Bible study apps that I have. And I realized in how many different places in the word God says that. That's the cry of God's heart is that he's our God and we're his people. Like he takes pleasure in the fact that we're his people and he's our God. Like he delights in that. That's who he is. He is our God. We're his people. That's a covenant relationship. He delights in that. So if he delights in us, which the word tells us he does, if he desires intimacy with us, he's not going to make it hard. And he doesn't. He doesn't make it hard. He makes it very, very simple. What is it? It's, Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. I've got to have you. And making him first. Truly, when I first started hearing from the Lord regularly, like, I thought that I had made it if like every once, every few months, like I had a moment where I heard from the Lord and I told pastor and he's like, that's right. And I was like, oh, glory to God. Oh, praise God. I did it once. Amen. Hallelujah. I did it once. And, and that's I, like, I coasted on that. And I was like, okay, I, I can do this when the moment's there. Like I can do it. It wasn't daily though. It wasn't regularly. It should have been. It should have been so much more than what it was. I first started truly being able to abide in him because of prayer. We have 6 a.m. prayer, and at the time, we were doing prayer twice a day for a full hour. So two hours of prayer each day for me. And the Lord told me, go. Go and be a part of it. So I heard from the Lord. I was talking to somebody about this this morning. Like, I knew the Lord told me, it is important for you to be a part of these times of prayer. It is important. Make it a priority. And I heard that it rung in my spirit. And so I was like, okay, the Lord wants me to go. I'm going to go. And it was, it required a preparation of me. <laughs> I, I did well at that point. If I woke up happily by 730, <laughs> like at that point in time, it was, it was an effort to be at church. Like, like it was, it was just a special, special time. I was not a morning person, but the Lord told me to go. So I prepared myself. I was like, okay. I'm going to get up in the morning. I've got to be there. And in that preparation, like it cost me something. It cost my flesh something. It cost me going to bed earlier. It cost me getting up much earlier than I was. <laughs> it cost me thinking through the night before to pack lunches if I stayed or, or just what the day was going to look like. It caused me to think differently. It caused me to have to act differently. However, I was preparing myself to be in the presence of God. It wasn't just flippant anymore. And that's what it had been is I'll just hear from God throughout my day to day. And I was not taking the time to prepare anything special for him. He was an afterthought basically to me. It was a, well, God's here. So he'll just be with me throughout the whole day instead of no God, I need to prepare myself for you. I need to seek you. I need to start hungering for you. I need to start thirsting for you. Turn, if you will, to Matthew 5. Dun, dun, dun. I went too far. I went to Zechariah. Matthew 5 and verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Other translations say, for they shall be filled. 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 
See, we're designed to be filled. And not with our definition of what filled means. For us, our definition of filled means to like come up to the top of the bottle and like that's filled. Or honestly, bottles normally come this full. <laughs> so that way when you open them, the water doesn't fall out. So most bottles, when you open them, they're like this full. What's God's version of filled? Ask him about how he filled the nets when he told Peter and the disciples to cast the nets to the other side. He filled those nets. Filling them to the point of the nets breaking and the boat starting to sink because they were so full, they were overflowing. See, God's version of filled is not ours. We've settled so much for a drop, just enough, just a little bit, kind of a trickle. You know, no, God wants us to be filled, filled, filled. Acts chapter two. I have this written in my Bible. Marky saw it the other day and she's like, what's that mean? I was reading in the word earlier this year and in the book of Acts in chapter two, it's talking about Holy Spirit coming. And in verse chapter two, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house. This like four verses have the word filled so much. It filled the whole house. Hey, Miss Melissa, I love you. It's good to see you. Tell Mr. Van, I said, hi, please. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them, giving them utterance. Now, I for years had thought that those two words meant the exact same thing. And they don't. Like, it's not just filled, filled. If you look it up in the Greek and the Hebrew and, and you read what these words mean, it means that they were filled by the Holy Ghost, that they were filled to fulfill. Like, they were filled to fulfill a purpose. That's why they were filled with the Holy Ghost that day, is you literally look it up, they were filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the purposes of God. We're designed to be filled so that we can then fulfill the calling of God on our lives. But if we're not filled with him, we're not going to be able to then walk with him properly to fulfill what God's called us to do. And if the trap of sin and condemnation, all that junk keeps going, we're never going to get to the place where we're hungering for him. But here's the truth is that Matthew five, verse six says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. How do we get to the place of being filled by God? How can we truly be filled with his presence? We hunger, we thirst We've got to be hungry for him. And now, if you will, the long way to John 3, <laughs> truly go to John 3. How does that happen? How can we get to the place where we hunger and we thirst for him? Jesus demonstrated it. You know, Jesus is the perfect representation of the father. He's also our perfect example to follow. So in John chapter 3, they're talking about John the Baptist and they go to Jesus and Jesus is saying um, that he, in verse 28, you are my witnesses. that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. Verse 29, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. Verse 30. 
He must increase, but I must decrease. Verse 30 is really the key part that I want us to hone in on. He must increase. I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. How do we hunger and thirst? I must decrease. I must decrease. I must decrease. This was a key that Pastor Brian gave me when I started hearing from the Lord more consistently. He told me, memorize this verse, get it in your spirit, know it, live it, let this be yours. He, or I must decrease, he must increase. God has to increase in our lives. But in order for that to happen, we must decrease. And it's not in any sort of punishment way. It's not like, you're so awful, can't be you anymore, don't talk, you're the worst, God doesn't, no, we've already established God loves you. He takes delight in being your God. But what does this mean? He must increase, I must decrease. So the Lord actually, in prayer one day, he gave me a vision of, the, of what this verse to me means. And I had this remembrance of what I used to do around Christmas time as a little kid. My mom and my dad went big for Christmas. Like Christmas was their holiday. They did it like big to the point of like probably wrongfully like going into debt and different things, but they loved giving. They loved, loved, and they didn't have a revelation of finances like biblical and things. It's not their fault. They didn't know, but they just, they went so big. And every year, like I, it's lavish. I tell my husband and he's like, oh my gosh, that's so much. And this is from people who didn't love the Lord at that point in time. But like our Christmas tree would fill the room and like presents would be stacked literally at least halfway up the tree. They would overflow out of the room. The presents would literally like trail the hallway leading to our staircase upstairs. There'd be presents outside our room, stockings overflowing. Like it was, it was a ton to the point that my mom would ask me leading up to Christmas to get rid of toys and things in my room that I didn't use anymore. She would tell me to go through and just leave stuff outside that I didn't use, like put them in a bag or something like that. And as I was praying one day, I realized that's what we need to do with the Lord. It wasn't that she was punishing me and telling me to get rid of toys. She was saying, clear away space because I'm about to fill it. Clear out the junk so that I can fill it with better. Get rid of excess because I have more coming. And that's what we've got to do with the Lord is there has been spiritual junk. And I feel the Holy Ghost on this. There's been spiritual junk food. There's been things that we have just been feasting on. Thoughts that we haven't needed to be thinking. Self-deprecating thoughts. Things that aren't the word. Negative-minded stuff like I mentioned I used to do earlier all this other stuff, there's stuff that we've allowed in and it's time to clear the way because God wants to fill us with himself. He's got better prepared. So it's not that I'm awful. It's that God saying, look, this way it used to work for you. It doesn't anymore. What used to fit you doesn't fit you anymore. I have a better thing coming. Decrease that. Let me increase. Let me increase. We have to clear the way for him. Yeah, Mark, you just said it's time to clear the way because God wants to fill us with himself. It's true. 
He must increase. I must decrease. The things of the flesh that my flesh so much loves, it's time for that to decrease to nothing. Get rid of, we've got to get rid of that because when we prepare for him, he can then fill us to overflow. You know, when he told the disciples to throw the net on the other side, why did he tell them to do that? Because the net was prepared to be filled with fish. It didn't have junk hanging on it. It wasn't half broken. It didn't have a whole bunch of garbage in it that they had to like then dump out on the boat. No, he said, okay, the net's ready. Pour it to the other side, throw it over there. And because the net was ready, he could fill it. But when the vessel's not prepared, he's not going to fill it. Because why would you like think of if you have, I, I don't want to use that example. Lord, give me a different one. Like imagine if you have just like the most expensive lobster bisque ever. Like I'm buddy looks up all these things for what's the price. I'm sure like the most expensive lobster bisque in the world is made with like gold tails from like King Tut's lobster from back in the day or something. But you know, lobster's an expensive food. So let's just say it's that you've got this like most expensive bowl of lobster bisque and the bowl that you bring to the chef is caked with muck. Like it clearly has not been washed in a while. It has not been primed. A good chef is not going to pour the best lobster bisque into that vessel because he wants the person eating it to have the best experience possible. He wants them to taste every bit of it. And if that bowl hasn't been cleaned in a while, it's probably riddled with like really gross stuff, like germs and all that garbage. And he sees it. No, a good chef is going to be like, go clean it, go clean that bowl and bring it back. It is not that we have to be perfect to go into the presence of God, but we've got to prepare ourselves. And so often we've gone into his presence, carrying our own sin, carrying weight, carrying worry, carrying all this stuff, and then saying, okay, God, fill me up instead of giving that to him. It's wanting him to make it easier and better while we're still carrying the backpack that's full of rocks. And God's saying, dump that backpack out and then go on your hike. He never, ever says, okay, come into my presence and keep your burdens, keep your weights, keep your cares. No, he literally says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. He doesn't want us to be laden down and burdened. He wants us to decrease, decrease our flesh, decrease our soulish thoughts that aren't formed on God, decrease in that and prepare ourselves so that he can fill us. He's the cleaner. Jesus cleansed his disciples with the word. God's the cleaner. So we don't even have to clean ourselves. We've just got to be willing to go into his presence and then let it go. Lord, that's how we receive from him is we just let it go. We stop thinking of the stuff. We stop thinking of all of that. It's like, no, I'm not going to think on something other than my king. Like that's what I was telling Serena yesterday. The lesson I had to learn when my brain would just start trying to go on all these different rabbit trails during, uh, during prayer is I would just have to immediately arrest them and then think about God. Think about his goodness and not like, okay, Jesus, I'm thinking about you. And now I'm back to Oreos. I need to put Oreos on my gro grocery shopping list. Oh, God, I feel like you would like Oreos too. Do you like Oreos? No, that's still you thinking of the grocery shopping list and wanting Jesus to come and be a part of that with you so that way you can go grocery shopping in your mind together. No, it's truly letting go of the list and saying, God, you're awesome. 
You're so good. I refuse to increase in this moment where you could be increasing. I refuse to think on myself. I refuse to be thinking when I can be listening. I need to listen for your voice. I need to hear from you. So I'm done. And then truly be done. And when your brain tries to start again, be done again. Be done again. Every moment it tries. No, I'm not doing this. I'm thinking on you. No, I'm not going to be feeling these things. I'm done with that. I'm thinking on you. I'm thinking of him. He's a good God. He's a good God. And here's what's awesome about the Lord. As much of him as we want, we can have. See, he's a God who's not withholding himself. He's not withholding any part of himself. He tells us in the word that if he freely gave us Jesus, would he not freely give us all things? All things includes him. Like he tells us in the world, in the word to come boldly before the throne of grace. We get to come boldly before him. We're designed to do that. We're called to come before him. So as much of him as we want, we can have. We've just got to want him. And that literally is a decision. It li- that's all it is, is it's a decision. And it's humility to truly get to the place of, Lord, do I want you? And that was not a fun example for me when pastor first gave it. Because years ago, pastor brought this up. He preached messages about being all in for God. And I would hear them. I'd amen them. I'd agree with them. And I remember there was one day where pastor was like, don't be quick to amen this. Don't be quick to just think that you're there. Honestly, evaluate it. Are you there? And I had to go home and really think on that. And the truth was, at that point, I wasn't. At different points, like, I would be. I'd have moments of being all in, but I wasn't. Because if I was all in, I wouldn't be in fear. If I was all in, I wouldn't have anger. If I was all in, I wouldn't be worried. I would be all in with him. And all in means all in with his presence. And so I needed to, I needed to truly humble myself and say, Lord, I want to be all in with you. I desire to be all in with you. I'm not. I don't even know what that really looks like, but I want to. And humility asks, Lord, help me. I need help. Help me want you. Help me be all in for you. Help me, Lord. Give, help me to hunger. See, God can't make you hungry. God, he can't. Hunger is a choice. It's a decision that we make. We decide if we're hungry. You know, it's like Luke. Luke is here in the studio today. If I ask Luke, are you hungry for lettuce? He is likely going to tell me no. (laughs) Why? Because his, his appetite has not been cultivated to find lettuce appealing. His appetite finds ice cream better, french fries better, Cheetos better, Doritos, sushi, lots of things, not lettuce. But truly, we can get to the point where our spiritual appetite changes. It changes. That's in our hands. And you know, you see in 2 Kings, in 2 Kings, there's a woman who went to Elisha because her husband died. And she's like, I don't have anything. I need help. I don't have anything. 
I need help. And that's what our flesh wants us to think is, Lord, I need help, but I don't have anything to give you. I need help. And I, I just, I, I'm not good on my own. I need help. And I like, I am a low, I'm nothing but a lowly servant in your, like, you know what I mean? Our flesh wants to bemoan and to be pitied. And so she went to Elisha and she's like, I have nothing because Elisha was like, well, what do you have? Like, you need help. What do you have? And she's like, I don't have anything except for a jar of oil. I have a jar of oil. That's all I have. Well, God, I want your presence, but I don't have time. God, I want your presence. No, we'll use time. I don't have time. Okay. When do you wake up in the morning? I wake up at eight. Okay. Could you wake up at seven? And see, here's the, that's the thing. Hunger and I can, I can immediately tell people, like, we're like, mm, great. <laughs> I get it. I was, too, when the Lord was like, make prayer a priority. Start getting up at 5. Cool. Super. So much fun. I get it. But what are we hungry for? Are we hungry for that extra hour of sleep? Or are we hungry for him? What if we were to say time and the Lord is like, okay, what about that time every Friday that you spend watching the new TV show that comes out that you really like? What about that time? No, not my TV show. Not my sleep. (laughs) No, not my lunch break, God. Like that's my time where I don't have to think about anything and I can just eat my food and pretend that my job doesn't exist. Like, that's what we want to say is I don't have time to do it. I don't have the resources to do it. I don't have the willpower to do it. I don't have enough. And God ever, like Elisha's being like God, because God's, if we get to the point where we're hungry, God's going to be like, what about that? You can give me that. You can do that. Pastor is a testimony where he wanted to give offering to the Lord. He wanted to sow into the kingdom. And the Lord told him, to cancel his Netflix subscription at that point in time and so that. And Pastor was like, not my movies, Lord, <laughs> not my Netflix, because that's what his flesh wanted. But he had to make a choice. What do you want more? Do you want me and my ways or do you want you and yours? Which one's going to increase? Is it going to be me and my ways or is it going to be the Lord and his ways? And that's really all it boils down to. The presence of God boils down to which way do we want? Do we want ours or do we want his? Which way? So this woman's like, I don't have anything. I don't have a single thing except for this jar of oil. (laughs) And so what did Elisha say? He said, okay, go borrow vessels. Go borrow vessels from all of your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few And you will go in, shut the door behind you and you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So basically, this woman who has nothing, in theory, she could have sold this jar of oil and made a profit. But what Elisha is telling her to do is go get go get containers, go prepare for this, go out, go get containers as many as you can. Go get them, take your jar of oil and start pouring And you're going to have enough to pour into the containers. That's why you're going to need them. So she went out. She got got the vessels. She prepared. And she started pouring. And it says, (laughs) when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not one more vessel. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, 
um, go and sell oil, pay your, or, then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and all your sons can live on the rest. Here's the thing. As much as she prepared, that's what was filled. That's what was filled. Do you think that if she really, like, I mean, she had faith to go get the jars. I'm not knocking her. Like, she had to have some faith to go to her neighbors, to trust what Elisha said, to go fill. But do you think truly, truly, in her heart of hearts, that had she 100% known that this was going to work, that she wouldn't have started scrounging even more to find any sort of vessel possible? Like, I, I'm thinking of these moments where I've believed pastor, but I haven't like believed pastor. And he's like, this is going to happen. Do this. And I'm like, okay. And I prepared 85%. And then in that moment, I'm like, I wish I had prepared a hundred percent. Cause you were a hundred percent. Right. Like had she gone and she truly believed like she could have knocked out flower pots. Like she could have dumped out extra stuff because every pot that was filled was increase for her. So as much as she believed that they would be filled, that's what was filled. What she prepared is what was filled. What we prepare is what will be filled. So if we're willing to hand him 20, like, and I'm not saying the Lord is a multiplier. He's an increaser. So we're never going to be able to outgive God. And there's levels in this. So I'm not saying that you quit your job, you sit at home and all you do is pray and read your Bible because the Lord says, go out and work. But there's a difference between when my heart was a hundred, when my heart was like 10% in for God versus when my heart's a hundred percent in for God, it, my output looks different. What I do looks different. How I talk is different. How I think is different. What's coming out of me is different. I'm not making the same decisions when I'm 5% in for Jesus that I am at a hundred percent in for Jesus. They're going to look different. So the amount of God I can have truly depends on how much I'm willing to give to him. How how much of myself am I willing to put on the altar? He must increase, but I've got to decrease in order that he increases in me. So what percent of myself am I willing to do? And that's the question we've got to ask. Lord, I want you. And look, I don't doubt that the people on right now are hungry and desire God. I know that's why you're the ones on here, because this is a topic that most people here and their flesh bucks and they're like that. Sounds like a payment. This is not a payment at all. This is something that we should love to be able to do. Because here's what the Lord did. He chose to give us Jesus. Like it cost God everything. Like it cost him precious. What was precious, what was costly, it cost him Jesus. It cost Jesus everything. Jesus, to reap us, gave his life. So if God was willing to freely give us Jesus and Jesus was willing to freely lay down his life, who am I to say, okay, well, Jesus, I'll give you 20% of mine. What kind of return on the seed is that? It's not a return. That's me. Like if I'm only living a life of 20% Thanksgiving and surrender to Jesus, I'm not thankful. I'm not. <laughs> like I'm thinking of these stories these heroic stories. I've heard many. My husband uh, served in the army for 20 years and the, the particular unit that he was a part in, there's so many heroic things that happen. And I've heard tons of stories. I know I haven't even heard a fraction of them, but the ones where I have, I, there was this one in particular, um, this one man and 
I, I had the honor of being at his like going away party because he went to go oversee like an entire division of the army. Like he was, he was a very high up in the ranks uh, person. And at that ceremony, they were talking about how he pulled these people out of like burning homes, like terrorists had come in and had destroyed their homes. And he went in and he saved these little girls and they had a slideshow up of different things. And these little girls drew him pictures and they were just so thankful. Like they went up to him and they were just willing to do whatever they could because he had saved their life. Like they were indebted to him. They wanted to serve him, to bless him, to honor him, to do whatever. And he's just a man. But it's because it was real to them. They lived it. They knew what was going to happen to them had he not shown up and pulled them out of that house that was on fire because of explosions and different things like that. They knew what was going to happen. They were going to die. The reason we haven't been hungry and we haven't been willing to surrender ourselves is because the reality is we haven't let it be reality that we were on our way to hell. Like we were literally in the trajectory that we would have ended up in the fiery furnace had it not been for Jesus. We were hopeless. We were sinners. We were enemies. We had nothing going for us. We were broken, busted, disgusted, lost, hurting, the worst. We were the worst of the worst. We were enemies of God. That's what Romans tells us. We were literal enemies of God. And so the direction we were going was hell, but God. But God, I had nothing good in my own. Nothing good was in me. No, I, I did nothing, nothing. But God in his mercy and in his goodness and in his compassion and his love for us, which has so far outweighed our love for him. He saw us in our mess, in our hopeless state, and he sent a savior he sent the best of the best. He could have sent Michael, you know, like he could have sent a variety of different agents. He's God. He could have figured out a way to do it, but he sent his son and Jesus came, surrendered, surrendered the throne. Think of that. Jesus who reigned in heaven with God did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. When God said, Jesus, I need you to go. He said, okay. And he went and he was born as a man. He rose in stature. He rose, he grew as a man, lived a spotless life, did everything perfect, fed the multitudes, raised the disciples, taught, explained the word of God, then was sent to the cross, was beaten, didn't even look like a man, beaten beyond recognition. Had the father turn his back on him. We have never had the father turn his back on us. We never will. Jesus did that. He was separated so that we would never have to be separated. They, hear that. Jesus forfeited the presence of God so that we could always have the presence of God. He chose to sacrifice that. And how often have we taken that for granted that we at any moment in time could begin to praise our king and he fills the room because Jesus said, you know what? I'm okay being separated from God because you don't have to. 
my people aren't going to have to be separated from the Father. They're not going to have to. Oh my gosh, Lord, I'm so sorry for every moment with you I have ever taken for granted. I'm so sorry. I repent right now. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord, that we can be in your presence at any moment. Thank you. Thank you, Father. So Jesus did all of this, all of it, and then rose from the dead. So that way you would never, ever, ever have to face this punishment for sin. So that we would never have to face hell. That we would then be able to overcome. He did all of this. When that really becomes real to us, what he did There's not going to be any part of us that wants to keep something from him, that wants to keep ourselves, you know? He's too good. He did everything good. He did everything that we're ever going to need. And it's found in him. So why would I not decrease myself, my flesh, my own soulish desires, so that he could increase himself in my life? That's not even a fair (laughs) trade-off. That's a... That looks like a really bad deal for the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't look equal because it's not. Because we choose to say no to the flesh. He gives us himself. It's not a fair trade, and it's never going to be with, the, with God. It's always going to be abundant for our benefit. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. And he wants us to want him. He wants us to want him. He wants us to want him. Thank you, Father. You just desire for us. Like, I I don't know if you can right now. I can sense that he's here and he is just so pleased. Like, I can... I can sense him being pleased and just, that's why I'm quiet. Not because it makes for good broadcasting. (laughs) I'm sure it doesn't. But Lord, I thank you that you have given us the ability to be in your presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now, what am I doing right now? My king just started. His presence came. I'm done. (laughs) I don't have anything else. I don't have any more words. I'm stopping because he's here. And what I have to say is not nearly as important as what he wants to do in this moment. So I'm being more quiet and I'm seeking him because I want to hear what he wants to do. I don't want to just steamroll over him. I'm yielding in that way. But how do I know how to do that? Because I had shepherds that taught me how. I had, de- I had it demonstrated and then I began to learn and seek him on my own. Okay. Thank you, Father. And here's the thing. At the end of this broadcast, above all things, 
I pray that you receive the wisdom, revelation, and knowledge today that you are wanted by God. He wants you. He doesn't want you to have to pay to get him. It's not about that. He wants you. And there are things within our power that enable us to receive more of him. There are things in his word that he reveals to us that we can do to ensure that we abide with him even better. It's not a payment. It's a system that he's established. So if he's laid up a system that guarantees that we can have more of the eternal king of kings, why would we want, not want to? So right now, wherever you are, he's not just here for me. He's here for you. He's here for each of us. He loves you. Just begin to thank him and receive from him right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And if you will just pray this with me, no matter what end of the spectrum you've been on, whether you've been hungry and you've pursued God with all your heart, 100%, whether you've done it and you've been like I have been, where I've gone 100% at times and I've been at 0% at times, or whether you, you've just thought, I, I don't even think I can. You can. You can pursue him. He wants you to. You can hear from him. He wants you to. You can be in his presence. He wants you to be there. You can have him. He can be yours. You're already his. So just pray with me and say, Lord, I need you. Help me today, Lord. Help me to be hungry. Help me to be thirsty. Help me to be yielded. Lord, you must increase. I must decrease. Show me how. Lord, I want to be all in for you. Help me. And then just receive his help. That's, that's literally as easy as that. Lord, I thank you right now for every viewer who's watching and will watch. I ask that you give them supernatural help right now. I ask, Lord, that their eyes of understanding be enlightened. I ask that they see, hear, and know, that they hear your voice clearly, that they are able to sense the peace of God, that they are led by the peace of God. Lord, I ask that their intimacy with you rises. I ask that you help me to take my intimacy with you to another level. Lord, help each of us pursue you, hunger for you, because your word says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Today, for those who made the decision to hunger, fill them now. Fill them now. Fill them now, Lord. Fill them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. Fill them. Thank you, Father. And not just a, a drop, not just a dab will do them. Lord, I ask that they be filled to the overflow. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And Lord, let them be secure in this. Let there be a hope that rises within each of our viewers today that they have surety of their intimacy with you. Never to doubt again. 
In Jesus' name. God's good. He is. He's a good God. And he, he just loves you so much. Everything he does, it's backed by love. It's, a, it's motivated for you by love. He loves you. He wants you blessed. And intimacy with him, oh my gosh, what a blessing. Ah, he's so good. Well, if you have received today, if you desire to sow, we make it really easy for you. We make it phenomenally easy because things with God are simple and they're easy. If you want to give today, if you've been blessed and you want to partner with this word, you can. You can go to giveww.org. There's a QR code that you can scan with your phone, and it'll take you to a website that has every way that we have giving available. Again, there's so many things. They're going to put them up on the screen. You can scroll through Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, um, text to give. We have so much. If you're on Facebook, hashtag donate. But just be led. Be obedient. He must increase. We must decrease. So let him increase you today. Be obedient, hear from him, and we thank you in advance for your obedience. Lord, for every person sowing today, I ask in the name of Jesus that you bless them mightily. Bless them mightily. Bless the seeds. Bless the sowers. I ask, Father, that you bless them. Let them be pressed down, shaken together, running over. Let them return quickly back into the hands of the ones who sowed it. Lord, let just the blessing of the Lord overtake their homes. And Lord, your blessing adds no sorrow to it. It makes rich without sorrow. So Lord, I thank you that you are making our viewers rich in every way that they can be rich, abundant in every way they can be abundant. It's our year to increase and it's theirs. So Lord, I thank you that you are leading and guiding your people today in victory. I love you. I praise you. You are good. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being on with us today. We love you. We're going to be back on Monday at 1130. So make sure that you take time to join us then. And if you haven't done it yet, check out our YouTube channel. We have hundreds of videos on here where we have provided teaching straight from the word of God. If you're finished with this video, and if you're listening to me say this, you are, you're finishing with this video. As you come to the close, Click on another one. Listen to the word of God. Let your spirit be fed. Let your mind be cleansed with the word. And let him fill you with every bit of goodness that he has. We love you. Here's Serena. Hey, everybody. There is such a sweet presence over the word today on hungering for the Lord. And we want to extend an invitation to you to be at Boomerang Church because this is a church full of hungry people for the Lord and so we want to extend that to you 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And we also want to invite you to the ICCF conference, which is going to be on October 22nd to 23rd in Danville, Virginia at Life Church. That's going to be the Friday night, 7 p.m. and then Saturday, 9 to 1. So you can register. There's all the information and all the speakers. Thank you for being with us today and this week. We'll see you again on Monday at 
Thank <laughs> you. 